Hey, it's good to see you all. I think the animals are like pairing up on the corner up there because of the rain. It's kind of crazy. It's amazing. Actually, hey, Christian, can you help me with something real quick? We're we're just going to move this screen up real quick. This is Christian. I've known Christian since he's been in middle school, but he never sat in the front row in middle school. So appreciate him sitting in the front row right now. We're going to just slide this forward right into that space right there. So... I picked the weakest person in the room to help me move this forward. So, because, you know, got to build up that strength. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. There we go. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. You too. You too. Hey, um, okay, so this is going to be a full participation message, okay? And if that screen doesn't come on, it's a beautiful, just lovely Zoom, um, portable Zoom link that is on sale for anyone if you want to call Zoom. Um, But apparently it doesn't always work, so... Oh, it unplugged. Well, that would be a problem. So anyways, it's just going to be a nice display for us today um, for that. So anyways, hey, I want you to say these words with me, okay? You have one life. Do something. You have one life. Do something. Today, if um, I, I say that for, for a couple reasons. Number one, um, it, it sums up what we're talking about this morning in one sentence. And that's going to be important for some of you because maybe halfway through this message, some of you might get a little tired because it's raining and you're hearing the rain hit the roof and you just like nod off and you fall asleep, okay? And you get in a car and you're, if you're an adult, your wife might say, hey, so what do you think about the message? What, what stood out to you? And be like, oh, man, it was awesome. I just, you got one life, do something. I mean, just, you, you can sum it up right there. Um, but for also, for, for some of you, I also share it because um, I think it's important um, when we look at this statement, to look at it from a couple couple different angles. Number one, the reality that you and I only have one life. And I want to point that out. We have one life. You and me, that's it. We got one shot at this thing called life. And I think we can all agree on that fact that we have one life, but I think where we sometimes struggle is the second part of that statement that says, do something. Because we're broken people, right? Because we're human, oftentimes when it comes to doing something for the Lord, we can be inconsistent and we can struggle. And this morning, I want to talk with us about what it would look like for you and I to be people that look at that reminder of we have one life, but be also be the people that go out and do something for the, for the cause of Christ with that one life. Right now in the world we live in today, kids and, and adults are running from the church, not towards it. Because oftentimes the ways people that's, that, that have their one life are living their life oftentimes can be confusing and hard and difficult for people to see people that maybe verbalize something with their mouth but then go live very different. I love this quote from Brennan Manning. Maybe you've heard it before. I actually thought this used to be DC Talk that, used, that said this quote um, back in the day, so um, forgive me, but it's actually Brennan Manning who said this. Maybe you thought it was DC Talk back in the day too, but he, Brennan Manning says this, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. You know, one of the best examples I think of someone who um, did something with the one life that she had was Mother Teresa. She's one of my heroes. I love Mother Teresa's stories. They speak deep to my heart. 
And certainly she wasn't a perfect person. She had her flaws like we all do. But there's something about the way she lived her life for the kingdom of God that was absolutely 100% inspiring. And I recently heard a story about Mother Teresa. um, And the story was about how Mother Teresa would pick a pair of new sandals that she would wear. And the story goes that a new donation box would arrive at her residence and, and she would be the first person to go and to pick through the box. Thank you, Nicole. She would pick through the box. And her goal in being the first to the box was not to find the best sandals, but to find the worst. Her goal was to find the most worn out, ugly, and poorly made sandals for herself. You know, here's this woman. She's one of the most famous people, most recognized people in the entire world. And her goal was to find the worst of the worst so she could wear them. In many ways, Mother Teresa set an example for other people to follow. The unfortunate thing, though, is that because she would find the worst of the worst, oftentimes the sandals she would find would be so small that they wouldn't fit her feet and they would cause tremendous pain. And eventually it caused malformation in the bones of her feet and it greatly limited her mobility. But her deliberate decision to emulate the poorest of the poor, her deliberate decision to humble herself and be vulnerable is a great lesson for all of us to follow with the one life that we have been given. And she considered the one life that she had and the way she was going to live it as a deliberate, precise order from God to live this kind of life. There's not many people that would look at Mother Teresa's life and question that, that she did something with the one life that she was given. And it's my hope by the end of our short time today, as we talk and as as we have this moment together, that you and I can look at some tangible ways that we can do something with this one life that we have. Today is week three of a five-week series that we've called, We Can Do More Together. And each week we look at one of these five words and talk in depth about what each of these words means. And today, as you can guess it, the word that we're focusing in on is do. Next week, we're going to be talking about the word more. And actually, to help us think about the words do and the words more, I want to actually ask you to think about the next two weeks as a Chiefs football game. Can we do that? The schedule came out this last week. We're probably excited. You see when, who the Chiefs are playing and where they're playing. But I want us to think about church the next two weeks as a Chiefs football game. And so to, today, I want you to think about this as the first half. Okay, we're going to talk about the word do today, and it's going to be the first half. And then at the end of the message today is going to be halftime. And yes, it's going to be the longest halftime ever in the history of Chiefs football because it's going to start at the end of the service, and it's going to go until the end of the week, and I'll give you more details on that at the end of the service. And then next week, next Sunday, will be the start of the second half. And trust me, okay, trust me. Can I see your eyeballs? This is what I used to say to Christian in middle school. Can I see your eyeballs? Okay. You're not going to believe what's going to happen next week. And I want to encourage you to be a full participant in what's going to happen. And not only that, but I would love to invite you to invite a friend to come be a part of what we're doing next week. It's going to change your life, and it could very well change the lives of many other people. I'll just leave that teaser right there. More information coming soon. 
So for today's message, here's what I want to do. I want to first look at a really amazing scripture text from 1 Peter chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can start opening up to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 11 through 17. And after we read this passage, I am going to just nerd out on you. Is it okay if I nerd out on you? Like if I just get really, really deep dive into Nate Severson being a really nerd when it comes to some context of what's going on in this scripture passage. With your permission, I'm going to do that. And then third, we're going to look at some just practical next steps that every one of us in this room can put into practice this week to live out this passage. So if you have your Bibles, I would love for you to open up, like I said, to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 11 through 17. It says this, Dear friends, Peter's talking, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage against your soul. Live such a good life among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing things that are wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. Now, before we get into these practical uh, next steps on what it would look like for us to do more, again, I want to just take some time, just a couple minutes, to give you a little context of what is taking place in this text, because if you don't know the context, it's going to be hard to understand everything that's going on, and it's going to be hard for us to talk about practical next steps. So here's the deal, and this is just Nate nerding out just for a couple minutes. Stay with me. I think it will be helpful. The first thing is this, is that when Peter was writing this text in 1 Peter, he was writing to mainly a Gentile group of people. So Gentiles were non-Jews living in Asia Minor. So Asia Minor, if you think of where Turkey is and Italy and that kind of region around there, those are the people he was writing to. And he knew, Peter knew, that they were in the midst of some intense persecution. And the persecution happened because um, there was a man by the name of Nero who became the emperor at at the um, date of AD 54. Now, Nero became emperor when he was a teenager. So imagine like a teenager becoming the emperor of a region of of people. I mean, teenagers, it's hard enough to be a teenager, let alone have all this power and prestige. But all indications say that, that Nero, the first few years he was emperor, actually did a pretty good job. He was well received amongst the people, the Roman people, and many, um, Many people followed his example. Unfortunately, the power and the prestige got to his head. And his ego got bigger and bigger and bigger, and and he quickly ran out of favor with the people. And about the time he ran out of of, um, favor with the people, a fire broke out in Rome and burned down almost the entire city. And people, a lot of people, rumors started circulating that Nero was actually the one that started the fire. So people thought Nero started the fire because he, again, wanted to be in control and he had these ideas of rebuilding the city of Rome to to meet his tastes and, and what he likes. And so to quell the rumors, Nero started thinking, okay, so how can I rewrite this narrative? 
And so what he did was he blamed the Christians for starting the fire. And after all, the Christians at this time were considered I can't say this word very well. Abominations. There it is, there it is. They were considered abominations, and, and they were people, um, because, because they were considered that, because they hated, like a lot of people hated them because they wouldn't participate in the pagan practices of the time. And rumors started spreading about them, and, 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 and actually some conspiracy theories started spreading as well. Conspiracy theories started to pop up about these Christians. And so one of the conspiracy theories was they were cannibals. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever considered yourself a cannibal because you follow Jesus? Well, Christians back then were considered cannibals. A lot of people start spreading about that because of communion. Think about it. What is communion? Communion is, is, is um, eating the body of Christ and drinking his blood is what people start saying. And so people turned on the Christians quickly. And also people thought Christians were kind of creepy because the way they would greet each other with a holy kiss and the way they would be vulnerable with each other. And so, so a lot of people quickly turned on the, on the Christians and they became an easy scapegoat for Nero and the people of Rome. And at that point, then intense persecution broke out and that opened the door for Nero to outlaw Christianity in Rome. And people started persecuting Christians left and right. They would do things like dip Christians in tar and burn them as torches in the gardens of Nero's palace when he, had, when he would have parties. They would tie Christians to chariots and drag them through the streets of Rome until they would die. They would t- put them in leather bags and throw them in the water so the leather bag would squeeze them to death. In many ways, Nero did whatever he could to eliminate the Christians by whatever ways were necessary. Another interesting thing about the context of this text before we get into the what next time is it's important to note the contrast between the first chapter and a half of 1 Peter and the rest of the book. In the first chapter and a half, Peter focused his writing on answering the question, why is it necessary to be holy and live a godly life in a pagan society? That's the first chapter and a half of 1 Peter. And then starting in verse 11, which we just read of chapter two, he spends the rest of the book writing how we can live a holy and good life in a pagan society. And so what I wanna do is I wanna close our time today by looking at four ways that I believe you and I can do something with the one life that we've been given. We have one life, do something. And we see this actually in the text. The first thing we see in the text in verse 13, it's, it's this, it's that we honor everybody. Now, when you hear that, that probably strikes a chord in your soul. It makes me a little nervous when I see that. Like when I read in this text, when, when Peter is telling these Christians who have been persecuted over and over and over again to honor the emperor, that would be hard news to take, right? I mean, that kind of, it should make us a little bit uncomfortable. But Hillcrest, if Peter can look at these new Christians, and if he can look at his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and he can tell them to honor the emperor who is actively persecuting them, killing their friends, killing their their relatives, doing all these horrible things, treating them like uh, property, what excuse do you and I have to not honor other people with the one life that we have been given? 
You see, everybody in this text means everybody, not just the people that are like us, not just the people that believe what we believe or vote like we vote, not just the people that are easy to honor. Honor everyone for the sake of Christ means honor everybody for the sake of Christ. And by the way, and I think this is something that we can work on, honoring someone doesn't necessarily mean that you agree with everything that they say or do. Let me give you an example. Nate Powell. Okay, Nate Powell. Let's talk about Nate Powell for a second. He's our new lead pastor starting June 1st. I can't wait till he gets here. But we know something about Nate Powell, don't we? Nate Powell, our new lead pastor, grew up where? In Colorado. Nate Powell grew up in Colorado. And I think it's safe to assume, right, just go with me, that Nate is a what? Bronco fan, exactly. I think it's safe to assume that Nate Powell is a Bronco fan. I think it's safe to assume that Nate Powell has been drinking the Bronco orange Kool-Aid his whole life, correct? Would that not be safe to assume? And that all adds up to the reality that Nate Powell probably, in one part of his life, believes something very different than you and I believe. But just because Nate Powell might have a differing opinion on something that's very important to all of us doesn't mean that we can't embrace, support, and encourage Nate Powell, does it not? It also means that you and I are in agreement that, that when Nate Powell gets here, we can still be friends, even though we might see things differently. And who knows, think about this, who knows, maybe, just maybe, that if we embrace Nate Powell for the wonderful person that he is, he might actually see the light and change his allegiance. So I know, says a Vikings fan, but maybe I'll, may, I'm like him. That's why I can relate to him. You love me, and so you can love him. So the first thing that I believe that you and I can do with the one life we've been given is honor everybody, even the people that we don't agree with. Who are the people in your life that you are struggling to honor right now? My prayer is that God would work in and through you and through me that we would honor people in such a way that as the text says, that live such a good life among people, the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing things that are wrong, what's going to happen? They're going to see your what? Your good deeds, and they're going to glorify God. Number two, the second way we can do something with the one life we have been given is to love the church. Love the church. Peter goes. Peter talks about love the family of believers. Hillcrest, do you want to do something with the one life you've been given? I hope so. Then love the church. Learn to love the church. And the church is not this building. It's the people, right? It's the people. And we have had a difficult time this last year. Never has there ever been a time where the church and the people of the church have been more divided. But we are the big C church. And I want you to hear me say this. We should be shining right now. We should be shining right now. When, when people are running from the church, we should be living our lives in such a way that people stop in their tracks and they turn around and they start running back to it because they say, man, I need what you guys have. And we can point people to the light and to the love of Christ. Because the world around us, they're watching what we are doing right now. And they're drawing conclusions about following Jesus based on the example that you and I are setting right now. Let's make sure we don't place any kind of loyalty above the loyalty that we have to Christ. We need to come together 
as brothers and sisters. The church is a family. And our master has called us to take each other's burdens, to care for our siblings, and to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those around us. There's a guy I like to follow on Twitter. His name's Dan White. And he tweeted this this week. And he said, some believe the threat to Christianity is conservative evangelicalism. And others believe it's progressive liberalism. But the real threat is non-discipleship to the words and ways of Jesus. Jesus said this in John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have, one, if you have love for one another. Hillcrest, we have one life. Let's do something with that one life. Number three is to fear God. We don't talk about this a lot in the church, but it's in the text. Peter closes, closes this verse by calling his Christian siblings to fear God. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. Quite possibly the most important takeaway from this text comes from the understanding that the foundation of our lives needs to be built on and around the absolute awe and reverence that you and I have for God with the one life we've been given. It is as if we need this in our lives first so that we can truly honor everybody around us. So Chris, you have one life. Do something. And last but not least, this is my added one, but we need to just quit talking. We need to quit talking. Peter did not say, talk such a good life or talk about how good of a person you are. He said, live such a good life. Living is our words backed up with actions. Answer this question for yourself. What do you want your life to be remembered for? That you talked a good talk, but didn't back it up with actions? Or that you took the gospel seriously, that you built your house, you built your foundation on a rock? And although the storms hit your house, your house didn't fall because it had the foundation. Jesus said, those of you who put my, hear my words and what? Put them into what? Action. You're like this kind of house. Recently, I heard a story about a Native American named Red Jacket. Red Jacket was born in 1750, and he is remembered because of the prominent role he played in negotiations with the new United States federal government and the various different treaties involving Native Americans after the Revolutionary War. In fact, in 1792, George Washington presented Red Jacket with a special peace medal, which was this large oval plate engraved with an image of Washington shaking hands with Red Jacket. And this story of Red Jacket is important as I close to the story, and it relates to the story of 1 Peter 2, verses 11 through 17, because in the summer of 1805, a number of chief or Indian chiefs and warriors met for the council at Buffalo Creek, New York, to hear a presentation on Christianity by a man named Jacob, Jacob Cram from the Boston Missionary Society. You see, Mr. Cram was seeking permission to do missionary work among the Native American people that Red Jacket represented. 
After the sermon, Red Jacket was chosen to give a response to this request by Mr. Cram. And his response to Mr. Cram is one of the things the Red Jacket is remembered for. He said this, brothers, we are told that you've been preaching to the white people in this place. These people are our neighbors. We are acquainted with them. We will wait a little while and we'll see what effects your preaching has among them, upon them. And if we find it does them good, makes them honest, and less disposed to cheat the Indians, we will then consider again what you've said. Hillcrest, what was true of Peter's, in Peter's day, what was true in Red Jacket's day, what was true in our day as Christians is that we are called to live our lives in such a way that other people see, see Jesus. We are called as Christians to live our lives in such a way that, through, that, that we might honor those around us with our actions. We are called to live our lives in such a way that we would love the church and those people in it. We are called to live in such a way that we would fall on our knees before God in awe and reverence of him. We are called in such a way to live our lives and represent a faith where our words line up with our actions. So that in all things, in all things, the people around us will turn their trust, that they would turn their entire life into the hands of someone that can actually do something with it. And that they in turn would also represent this love that they've fallen in love with to a world that desperately needs to know Jesus. No crust, we have one life. Let's do something with that one life for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day. And God, I thank you for the love that you have for us. And God, I thank you for the call that you have on our life. God, I thank you that, that you don't just call us to just hide on the corner of 87th and Nall and have no influence on the community and the world around us. Lord, you call us out. Lord, you call us out. You send us out as representatives of you to a world that desperately needs to know you. So Lord, I pray over my brothers and sisters that are watching online. I pray over my brothers and sisters that are here. I pray over my brothers and sisters that might hear this some, someday in the future. Lord, I pray over all of us, God, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you might work in and through us. And God, that we might live our lives in such a way that it might point people to Jesus and people might fall deeper and deeper in love with you. God, we pray this all in your name. Amen.